Hi, entrepreneurs. It's Steph here, and I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entrepreneurs Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th, and you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together. From educational panels, networking activities to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there. I mean, I had so many of my friends asking me, like, why, why do you care so much? Like, you're I'm still not a mom. Like, you're not a parent. The journey into starting my first company, Little Spoon, came when I could not get out of my head how time and time again, it's just like being a woman's amazing, but it's really hard. And I don't know how you do that. It doesn't seem easy enough. It doesn't seem possible. And I wanted to figure out like, is there a way to help make that a little bit easier to help empower women to do whatever it is they want to do? It's hard enough making sure your children are fed, without having to choose between making their baby food from scratch or feeding them highly processed jars and pouches from the store. Lisa Barnett knew there just had to be a better solution and co-founded Little Spoon, a brand built for the modern parent that's rethinking the sleepy industry of highly processed baby food by delivering high quality, fresh baby food right to your door. This runaway hit of a 15 person business that launched nationwide just over two years ago has succeeded simply by listening to what parents want and need, getting it to them, and pursuing a mission to make people feel well. After all, so many entrepreneurs are also mamapreneurs. Coming up, you'll hear how a beta launch created loyalists and how YouTube surprised Lisa as significant and showed the magnitude of impact that social media can provide for a community of consumers. Why Little Spoon can contribute meaningfully to a child's development experience. Why Lisa cares so much about Little Spoon's mission, despite not being a parent. How Little Spoon built a remarkable board of advisors. And the resource Lisa is very proud of that helps parents know if what's happening with their child is normal. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Lisa, I am so excited to talk to you about your company, Little Spoon, today. Mostly, I think, because I have an eight-month-old and your company is very relevant to the stage of life that I'm in right now, but I actually really want to understand how you grow and scale a food company for for kids. And you co-founded the company in 2017, correct? Yes, correct. So how did this come to be? How did you get into this business? It's... 
both an interesting and I guess, yeah, I'll let you decide if it's an interesting <laughs> story. Um, you know, my background, I've been in the consumer and brand space my entire career, all different aspects, whether that's growing, scaling, you know, legacy brands or incubating and investing in new brands. And right before Little Spoon, I was in venture capital. And, you know, you're kind of looking at things with the bird's eye view and scanning the environment. And during, you know, my second year in venture capital, a number of really incredible women either got pregnant or um, had their first baby and entered this life stage of parenthood. One of those people uh, were my sister. And she she was the one to say to me, you know, Lisa, it's kind of crazy, but I'm trying to figure out like how I'm going to go back to work, do all the things that I want to do, like take care of my, my, you know, future child. I don't know how I'm going to get it done. And it turns out like, you know, right when you start feeding your kid is when you go back to work. That's when maternity leave ends. And I'm going to have to buy baby food. And I don't know if you knew this, but baby food in the grocery store is literally older than the baby eating it. It's highly processed, gross crap. And that struck me pretty hard. I had never really thought about it. I didn't even know when the last time it is I bought baby food, if ever. But it didn't make any sense to me that I was sitting in venture capital watching massive capital injections go into companies that were making it super easy for adults to feed themselves healthy food into the healthcare industry to solve things like obesity and diabetes. And we weren't figuring out how to make it super simple and easy to just give your kid healthy food at a time when food and diet have an outsized impact on your lifetime health and well-being. So I sat there and kind of stared at what my future would look like. And I'm like, okay, I want to become a mother one day. I want to do all the things that I'm doing too. How in the world am I going to figure out how to balance this? And right around that time, a friend of mine from college, Ben, who's now my co-founder, was also thinking about this space um, in a bit of a different way. But pieces fell together and it was magic. And we just decided we really need to figure out how do we how do we change this experience of parenthood? So what was the first step? You guys had this idea. How did you turn this idea into an actual business? You know, first step, lots of first steps. Um, <laughs> unclear what were the very first ones. But really, a lot of it involves talking, mm-hmm. right? You have this idea in your head for so long, and you're just thinking about it and contemplating and, you know, figuring out, like, what would be the right solution. And one of the things that I learned in that process was that you actually are better off focusing on validating that there is a problem versus trying to figure out exactly what that solution is going to be. That was a big learning mm-hmm. because I think entrepreneurs and people can get really obsessed with an idea for a product, an idea for a company, but that's not sustainable. You have to be so sure and so passionate about the problem that you're solving, and that's what's going to be sustainable because your business model, your brand, your product, everything about it is probably going to change maybe 5,000 times in the first even for six months of starting your business. So a lot of that was about really validating the problem. What we learned was that this company, Little Spoon is not just about baby food. That was our first product that we've launched. We've since launched other products in the nutrition and wellness space for kids. It's about this experience of being a parent in this day and age. It's about this woman who is now different from other generations working. Yeah. You're you're an example of oh, that. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> you're working. You're as time-starved as ever, but you're also way more knowledgeable and accepting of this concept that food and health 
are connected and you don't want to cut those corners. And that that's really the problem we're trying to solve is how do you make an uncompromising situation? How do you reduce those trade-offs so that a woman today can become a mother and at minimum, at least have an easier time keeping their kid healthy? Yeah. I remember a few months ago, I got so anxious just thinking about getting into that next stage of feeding Molly, like, what am I going to feed her? I need to start researching everything. Am I going to use the baby led weaning method? Am I going to spoon feed her food? What type of food is even safe for her? And then it just becomes this very overwhelming feeling of like, am I even doing it right? And is there even time to do it right? So companies like yours where it just seems to take away the the stress definitely seems like a much, much needed uh, business. Yeah, there are a ton of questions. And it it even shocked me because it feels like in the depths of the internet, all those answers should be there. But the fundamental challenge today is that the food industry and our health and mm-hmm. in- healthcare industry are completely disconnected. Yep. And so even when you're going to the doctor, they're not even that knowledgeable about nutrition and how that contributes to your child's health. Other than just they look at weight gain, they look at, you know, key key markers of, you know, thriving but they don't know how to recommend to you as a new mom, hey, when you hit six months, like this is how, how what you should think about. This is why certain foods matter. This is why certain methods matter. Um, it's more a rote recommendation and you're someone who knows more. And so you're questioning that. Yep. And so do you feel like Little Spoon, you've become this voice for parents to actually get that information and have a real resource? Yeah. I mean, our our mission fundamentally is to really make keeping your kid healthy a simple, easy part of your day. And part of that is providing the education and the information. Part of that is also just in the root of our product innovation, our product design. How do we do things like create, you know, form factors that make it super simple and easy for a parent to to give your child things like, you know, natural remedies mm-hmm. to solve a common cold, yep. right? Um, you're talking the right person. I'm into all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, it's we're a generation where, you know, take what you will from the word millennial, yeah. but it is a, a real thing. We're this millennial generation that's now in mass in this parent stage of their life, right? I think it's 90, it's like 80 or 90% of new parents are of this millennial generation. This is the same generation that's created billion dollar companies and disruptions in pretty much every other consumer category. You've probably spoken to many of the yeah. founders doing that. And now we're hitting parenthood and we're bringing the same expectation for quality, for transparency, for simplicity and convenience, for being able to afford the solutions mm-hmm. that we want for ourselves and for our children. And so we're really just trying to figure out how can we do that? How can we listen to what people want and need? How do we make it easy to get that to you? Can you talk to me about, you know, the early days of the business? It's you and your co-founder. How did you validate that this was an actual problem? And then what was that first step like in terms of, you know, you're you are making food that children eat and there's safety that's involved in that. There's, you know, you're building out teams. Like talk to me about this whole process because From an outsider's perspective, you know, we all have ideas all the time. Like, yes, let's make a healthy baby food company or healthy kids food company. But how do you actually go about executing and doing that? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. So my co-founder, there's actually four of us who started the company. And I feel very lucky because we are four people who could not have 
more different backgrounds. Um, so we covered a lot of ground. Um, That's good. That's we were, important in a business partnership. <laughs> it totally is, as I'm sure you could speak to, too. And so that enabled us, actually, even in our first year of business, we were pretty much just the four of us because, again, we covered a lot of ground. We were able to stay really lean, um, which is important because we were able to use the capital that we did had to to really iterate and listen and solve those problems. Starting from the beginning, once we validated, like, hey, we want to build this business, we really thought about not just what the first product, which is our fresh baby food, is what is that going to be, but also where where do we want to get to in five years from now, in one year from now, in two years? Like, what do we really want to accomplish? And how do we make sure we're laying the foundation from a operations perspective, a supply chain perspective, a brand perspective in order to get there? And so a lot of that was about, hey, we have this this product idea. Is this the right idea? Like, can we talk to consumers? Can we test that? And then can we make sure we're bringing in the right expertise to make sure we're setting up, you know, everything safely? I mean, food anywhere is, is a really, it's a technical industry, right? And we are doing perishable food. So it's a complete cold chain, um, which brings about so many other complexities. So it was really about dividing and conquering a little bit and all of us taking the areas where we had domain expertise and diving into that and figuring out and fleshing out what are all the multitude of ways that we can approach this, coming together and saying, like, this is what we think will be sustainable. And once we had some of these pieces in place, like our supply chain, which is like, you can't launch a business Mm -hmm. without that, then it really became like, how do we best enter the market? And that was that was where a lot of the the art and the science came together. So how did you do it? Launching was was such an interesting experience. And I'm a first-time founder. I think the like launch day, and I'm air quoting right now <laughs> since no one could really see me, I think that has a lot of there's like a lot of folklore around like your launch day and what that what is that going to feel like and it feels so hard getting up to the launch day until you realize once you launch you're live so anything you have to fix you also have to manage a business at the same yeah. time so that was like the first realization but we ended up deciding to launch first in kind of more of an invite only beta strategy and that turned out to be super successful for us for a few reasons one it's really important to make sure in a physical product space, especially a perishable, when you're dealing with a perishable product, which has very little give, meaning like, you know, it's not super easy to deliver something that needs to stay cold in transit, not break in transits. It's different than delivering, you know, uh, tampons, for example, yeah. like a you know startup that's doing that. So it's really about pressure testing our operations and doing that in a small scale way to make sure that we're able to get the feedback. You only know what your customers tell you. We don't know if a box arrives damaged unless a customer tells us that. So having kind of an intimate audience to first deal with, I think it was like only a couple hundred people that we let in to really work through things enabled us to really solve those problems and hit the ground running when we launched nationwide for the first time in November 2017. And then I think the second piece that was really important in doing this beta launch was that we created these loyalists. It was super, super cool to watch. But I mean, we still have some of those people, you know, with their second and it could even be third kid now. I'm not sure. I need to check. Um, <laughs> we're now, you know, using our products right now. We're very focused on the baby stage and yeah. different products around that, you know, first around year, year and a half of life. But we created this community. And really, that's what we're doing here. It's creating a community of new parents who are all caring about the same things, dealing with the same problems and having a multitude of experiences who want to learn from each other. And 
these people felt bound together in some way. They were part of, you know, this this movement around really revolting against the standard when it came to convenient baby food options. Like people didn't want what we were feeding our, yeah. you know, what our parents were feeding us, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Right? Well, you start looking at the labels and there's all of this crap in the food that's on the shelves. And you're like, wait a second, I've spent all of this time, you know, nurturing this baby to come into the world. And now how can we give them just stuff that we don't really know what's inside? Crap. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's astonishing. Yeah. And so I think in that pre-launch moment, validating all of that, which we kind of had validated. It's good to know when you're actually paying customers that that's working too. And creating these loyalists and evangelicalists because we really grew in our first year through word of mouth. Yeah. That was that was the, that was how we surged. Um, and so we created this little breeding ground for people who could go across the country and really spread the word to their friends. Because I'm sure, as you know, once you have a, a child – you make a lot of new friends based yeah. on how old your child is. Yeah. And through Facebook groups. I think I make all of my decisions now. All of my parenting decisions are through Facebook groups. And then I always post asking for recommendations on Instagram. And that's how I pretty much make every single decision about what to buy. You are not alone. Yeah. The customer. And that's why, like, the customer just has to be the center of gravity. Yep. You can't – you cannot win in this, in this market anymore if it's not. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these incumbents, not just in the – food and kids space, but everywhere become upended. You see these underdogs who have no resources compared to these big companies win because they're actually just listening to their customer yeah. and they're building products and solutions in collaboration with them. And that's, did you that's realize approach. that right away? Like right when you launched, did you know, like we need to be focused on social, spreading the message, listening to our customer? Like, did you guys, was that was your background, right? Yeah, that I mean, that was my background. So, you know, I had I've worked for large companies like Estee Lauder companies, both trying to really reinvigorate the legacy brands as well as incubate and come up with, you know, new brands that were more speaking to this generation of consumers. And so I think it was really there that solidified my understanding that it doesn't matter how things were done in the past. In fact, I am a big advocate of, I think it's like the Buddhist like culture philosophy says, the beginner's mind, right? Yeah. I'm a big proponent of that, meaning I entered the beauty space, for example, knew nothing about it. I actually remember before starting there, like needing to be like, okay, what are my favorite lipsticks? What are my favorite this? <laughs> like I knew nothing even as a consumer. But because I knew nothing, I started realizing and asking very basic questions like, why are we only focused on the department store? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we paying attention to YouTube, which at the time when I was there, this was like the very beginnings of the, the beauty vlogger world, yeah. which has now, you know, been massive, right? And I realized that it's just because these are the way things were done and you're working with people who are incredibly intelligent, but you're, you've been trained in a box, right? And all you have to do is step outside that box for a second and ask really basic questions like, well, Looks like people are willing to learn and discover and maybe even purchase from from YouTube. That's interesting. Yep. Like, should we experiment with that? And so that created a foundation for how I knew I'd always want to approach building a brand. But I'd say I was pretty – I was still surprised at the significance and magnitude that things like social really provide for a brand and for a community of, of consumers. And we're really lucky because we're going after a – very vocal, very information-hungry mm -hmm. consumer. When you become a parent, there's so much to learn, and there's so much you want to learn and understand and challenge. And so 
we would have no other way besides digital channels to really scale that that community. So it's been extremely important for our business. What has surprised you the most as you've really started to understand your customer? And then you know, I know you've shared you've developed new products now based on what your customers were asking for. Yeah. What surprised me most? I mean – a lot of things, right? I'm I'm surprised every day. <laughs> it's the that's running a business, <laughs> the roller coaster of a business. Yeah, it, depending on the hour, it's either been like the best day of my life or the worst day of my life. Um, <laughs> but I think what surprised me about what was happening with Little Spoon is how much our customers really care. It's not just that they're vocal for the sake of being vocal. Look, not every customer is going to care about about you and the brand and everything like that. But we have customers who. We'll write pages and pages to our customer care team and really communicate why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And so we very quickly had to adapt and figure out, like, how do we leverage and really turn these conversations into true value back mm-hmm. to our customers and, of course, value back to our business? And what started as just a complete, you know, probably one of our first big challenges, which was, like, we were getting so many inquiries and questions in the beginning. And we didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it was me, Ben, Angela, Michelle, my co-founders rotating in the morning who woke up to our, we have a 24-7 texting platform, who woke up to respond to all the texts. And of course, you know, people on the wet were on the East Coast, people on the West Coast were texting in at three, four in the morning. People are breastfeeding in the middle of the night. So we get inquiries (laughs) at all times. And we were like rotating who was responding to them and really struggling to keep up with the volume. And we learned very quickly, like, this volume's not going to change. Like, people clearly have questions. They have things they want to tell us. We need to, A, service them and, B, figure out a way to really capture that information. And so we've spent a lot of time building out our customer care team and our customer care platform. And it's been critical to how we've even innovated from a product and service perspective. Our second product line, um, we launched a line of vitamins, probiotics, and natural remedies for kids. We always knew we wanted to go into this space. Nutrition is, you know, the basis of a lot of ailments that, that we have. Kids often, you know, are exposed to a lot of different germs, especially as you start eating. If you're breastfeeding, that usually starts to dwindle down at that time. And, you know, so they're no longer protected by the immune system Mm -hmm. of the mother. How do we use nutrition and food nutritional science to help boost and support that child's immune system, for example. We were hearing over and over from our customers that this was a challenge. My kid's going to daycare and coming back with a runny nose every other day. (laughs) I don't want to just give my kid you know, a cough syrup or Tylenol, shit. yeah. Yeah, like, it's okay. Don't get me wrong. But, like, why do we have to? Why do we have to give our child these things that are not clean? And why do we have to introduce ingredients to our child's bodies before they're two that we'd prefer not to put in there? So we heard that this was such an issue, and we were able to hone in on the specific ailments, for example, that we wanted to address with our line of remedies and with our line of vitamins. So how did you go about starting to create this new line? Because you start in food, and now you're, I don't want to say pivoting because it all goes together, but what do you do first when you're like, okay, we're going to create probiotics? What does that look like? Because we have a lot of listeners who have these ideas. They want to start businesses, but they don't know always where to start. Yeah. Well, we were, we were lucky because we have, you know, we do have expertise in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also 
you know, bring people who, you know, we believe in. We found leading scientists in the field of not just nutritional science, probiotics and vitamins, but the first thousand days of a child's health and well-being, which is a very critical time in a human being's life where nutrition and food have an outsized impact on your lifetime outcomes for health. And so it was really about finding the right partners to innovate and test and, you know, create these products and form factors that both address the consumer's need for simplicity, but also had efficacy. And, you know, it was very challenging. Um, But I think we, we felt very confident that our customers were right in what they were feeling and the problems, and we had to figure out a way to solve them. And all of our products are aligned under the same product philosophy, that food and ingredients and nutrition are what can really affect a child's health. And so in a way, even though it's a different type of product, it's not food, it really isn't that different. Coming up, is this normal? The incredible resource for parents and Little Spoon's important alternative to heat pasteurization. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, Dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there. But according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert, Varnoosh Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Varnoosh is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book, A Healthy State of Panic. She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out and failure to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entrepreneurista Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entrepreneurista.com forward slash Founders Weekend and we will see you there. So we're sitting here staring at your beautifully packaged little spoon product. I would love for you to just... Walk me through what some of the products are here, and I know you have some of the new line as well. We do. So what you see here are just a few of our fresh organic baby blends, which are the pureed baby food that's really geared from anywhere from your very first bites through, honestly, toddlerhood as a support snack. My niece is four and a half, and it's literally her favorite snack. Like She comes over, and she's like, Aunt Lisa, did you bring me... The cranberry apple one. We have a limited edition blend right now. That's cranberry apple cinnamon. It's very good. Actually. Sounds good. I don't know if we have it sitting there. What's but sitting here right now? Let me see. What let's see. Can... I can't even see here. I have carrot, apple, ginger, avocado, apple, broccoli, spirulina, which is a very popular one. We have a red bell pepper blend. Um, these are these are a good example. We our product philosophy in terms of recipe development is a taste the rainbow. You need to be able to give your child exposure to a diversity of ingredients. And that's a part of parenthood that's actually really hard. 
Like think about how how many oh, ingredients you cook for in a given week for yourself. I mean, I don't cook for myself, so the answer is zero. <laughs> that's, so that's why feeding my child is actually very stressful. <laughs> right. No. And look, I'm call me anxious, mm. call me extremely forward looking. I'm not even a mother yet, and I was looking at how in the world am I going to figure out how to feed my child and take care of them yeah. in the way that I and the standards I want to when I really don't do a lot of the things that I want to be doing for her or him. So big part of it is how do we blend together specific ingredients that introduce flavors that would maybe be harder to introduce. For example, we have uh, pea pear mint. You might not know how to cook with mint, but having exposure to to spices, to herbs, these are really important for palate development. Um, A child in their first year, it's like this really incredible window of time to get your child exposed to as many ingredients as possible, both because you're balancing the nutrients that they're getting, but also because it's setting what their preferences and tastes are for a lifetime. Once they become a toddler, you'll learn pretty quickly. They can get kind of picky. But if you've exposed them to a lot of different textures, to a lot of different flavors, they actually have now a predisposition to be amenable to eating those again. Um, And you kind of lose that window where they're easy to feed, they're easy to try everything after around a year. So that was one very key consideration. Another thing you'll notice, we don't name our products, right? It's pea pear mint. All that's in it is organic pea, organic pear, organic mint. What's said on the front is exactly what's on the back, um, except add the word organic to it. All of our food is about complete transparency, simplicity, clean. We you know, wear our, wear our emotions on our sleeve. We wear our ingredients on our sleeve. And that is really critical because we have nothing to hide. And we're very communicative and vocal about how we, how we do what we do. Mostly because we have been pissed off at the industry. I mean, you don't even know how the food gets to your shelf. All you know is, hey, there may or may not be preservatives in the food. And for some reason, my baby spinach can sit on a grocery store shelf unrefrigerated for, on average, more two years. Oh, my gosh. Why is that the case? And no, but there's no requirements around these companies to disclose that. We feel like it's our responsibility to this consumer to understand how we do what we do. How do we bring fresh tasty, delicious food without using any preservatives to your door. And so even down to the packaging, that's reflective of that. We have built a form factor. We spent six months designing this container, which, you know, I think was necessary. We all think was necessary because we didn't want to just take what the prevailing form factor was on the market. Baby food is this really interesting industry, like many other old industries that hadn't changed in about a century. The only innovation that happened in the past 100 years, literally, Gerber started in 1920s and it's 2020, has been the form factor. It's been a pouch. Pouches have been a great innovation when it comes to convenience. I don't know if you've used them ever, but like it's hard not to use Mm -hmm. them because you could just throw them in the stroller, whatever that is. We wanted to figure out how can we deliver a similar level of convenience but also encourage something that's actually really developmentally advantageous, which is spoon feeding and really feeling and touching and playing with your food. So much of eating right in the beginning is about the the learning. Hey, I put my hand in this like liquid. It feels like this. Then I put it into my mouth and I had this pain, which is hunger, which a child doesn't know until yeah. they teach themselves. Oh, when I put some of this food, this thing that my mom gave me in my mouth, it actually reduces that pain. That process is really hard to learn when you're slurping down food in a pouch, you know, in under 45 seconds. 
it's look, it's a great lifesaver in some regards, but we wanted to figure out, can we design a form factor that, hey, the spoon comes with it. The seal is reclosable in case you like need to, you know, finish it later, but also enables the child and the parent to really provide that learning experience and developmental experience. To the to my right of those of those blends, you see some of our boosters. Um, so these are vitamins, our probiotics, our natural remedies. I think on there we have right now. I was talking about um, earlier colds. Right, our most popular seller right now, given the season, is what we call Sniffle Shield. Sniffle Shield is an all natural, clean little booster pack. So nobody can see this. It's a little stick pack of powder. You actually can pour that powder into formula, breast milk, baby food, water, if you even wanted to. The idea was to create a form factor that was super seamless for a parent to give to their child. Your child's already going to be drinking milk. Your child's already going to be, you know, eating. Let's just add in this boost so that you don't have to deal with a dropper or some other Mm -hmm. form factor mechanism or vessel to give them something that could really help build their immunity. And so we use zinc. We use all these different vitamins and nutrients in order to help support that immune system in your child. And tell me about the ordering process. So to become a customer, I can't go to the grocery store and buy Little Spoon, correct? Correct. Yes. Um, So it's offered only online at littlespoon.com. It's direct to your door. So we deliver to you. So essentially what we do is particularly for starting solids, right? You have all these questions. You mentioned that you had all these questions and you were I still have out. all these questions. We're going to have to have a whole chat after we we're done do recording right now. Later, <laughs> yes. For sure. You've got my number. You can text me anytime. Um, so what we do is we have you take a little short quiz that tells you a little bit about your child when they were born, like basic stuff. When they were born, have they started eating before? Are they picky? Are they not picky? What that enables us to do is then help recommend and, and provide suggestions to what you should be ordering. You always have the opportunity to build a box and customize it, but based on what you tell us, we'll at least give you a baseline to start off. So if you come to us, your baby's six months old, you haven't started eating, we're going to recommend to you our very very, you know, simple blends. And we have a rotating seasonal menu. So it changes all the time. But right now we have, you know, prunes, we have zucchini, we have spinach, we have all these different ingredients that we use. We'll give you those very basic, simple blends that are smooth in texture that aren't introducing too many ingredients at once to start out with. And we'll start you on our smallest meal plan. That, That will be our recommendation. You can, of course, change your mind, pick what you'd like um, sort of thing. But that would be an example of how we're kind of tailoring that box for you. You receive a box in the mail. Everything arrives cold and all you have to do is put it into the refrigerator and the food's ready to eat at whatever time you want to feed your child. That food lasts in the refrigerator for 14 days. So it's more that like That was a, my next question. <laughs> it's more like a yogurt yeah. than anything else. Like a yogurt, it's perishable, but you know, it, it you do have some some time to keep it into your fridge. We use a process called cold water pressure. Um, have you had a cold pressed juice before? I actually have not, but uh, you know what a cold yes, pressed yes. juice is. It's the same food yeah. technology. This isn't something we in a, we like created, um, but we did. We were really the first people to apply this food technology to this category. And so, what cold water pressure does for us, it's an alternative to heat pasteurization. That's why baby food on the shelf can live there for so long because it's been heat pasteurized, meaning it's been cooked to a point of what the industry calls commercially sterile. And it means exactly as as it sounds. It's been cooked to death. That's why there's no contaminants. There's nothing that could destroy the food on the shelf. So it makes it really convenient for companies to sell their product. 
we obviously didn't want to do that. We wanted to provide fresh quality food. So cold water pressure enables us to use no preservatives, no detriment to the quality of those ingredients, the nutrients, the vitamins, the live enzymes, all of that remain intact after the food undergoes our cold water pressure system. But it extends that refrigerated shelf life so that you could keep your food for two weeks in the fridge. Once it's open, is it still good for two weeks or? No, once it's open, it's good for 48 hours. Okay, got it. Got it. All right. I'm all, your next customer, so I'm, we're, we're going to have a whole other, uh, oh, yes. whole no, and, other and session And the questions still pop <laughs> yeah. up, right? Yeah. And that's why we built out – so our, I mentioned our customer care team yeah. earlier. It started from one customer who saved me and my three co-founders, the four of us, from taking shifts at weird times in the day and night to answer customer inquiries. She reached out to us wanting to be involved because she just loved what we were doing. She's part of our beta. And we ended up hiring her. She was out in Denver as a part-time mom who was also taking care of her customers. That model has blossomed out. Now we have, you know, under nearly a dozen of part-time moms who are the people that you'll be speaking to um, when you interact with Little Spoon to answer the questions that come up even after maybe we provide the suggestions and mm. recommendations to you. I love that. There's nothing like having authentic customers be the voice of your of your business. It, it couldn't it couldn't be a better outcome for us. It's really been what we believe has created and cultivated such an explosive and you know great community around and, Little Spoon. And you were mentioning before building out this community and now you have a whole platform to help educate your customers. Yes, yes. So uh, it's called Is This Normal? And the way I'm sure you can kind of understand as a mother what that even means before I explain it. But Well, I'll, I'll, let me explain this quickly. So these are my text messages to my friends right now. I take a picture of Molly's poop and I send it to my friend saying, is this normal? Yep. So pretty sure that's how it came about, right? That is pretty much it. Um, and that is a very common <laughs> picture we might receive yep. on our care team channel. No joke. We noticed and look, you have part-time moms, you have moms who are going through the exact same thing who are speaking to you. Once you find that out, we realized not just one-off, but over and over again, people got really comfortable. Sometimes it is easier to unload or ask questions that you might be embarrassed to ask or not embarrassed to ask, but you just need someone right now to ask. When you find out that it's a person that might understand Mm -hmm. where you're coming from and the state that you're in, parenthood is a really transformational thing. I think it is the biggest transformational woman can undergo. And so we've really empowered our customer care team to have those conversations mom to mom. We're not medical providers. We're not giving you medical advice. But just like you're texting your friends, we're trying to be a educated friend, whether that's about the food or what we discovered, relationships, sex, marriage, your body, all these things that you might not want to talk about with your best friends or spouse. We realize these questions are happening so often. And It overwhelmed us that we felt like we were doing such a service and really hopefully helping these women one-on-one. But what about everyone else? No one else can see these conversations. Mm -hmm. And so Is This Normal was started so that we could really address these common questions in a really raw, unfiltered, honest way. Is This Normal is part advice column where we take anonymous questions that are submitted and you don't have to be a customer to ask them. And we'll answer them. We'll either answer them from a perspective of of a mom who's answering them, or we'll bring in experts if they deal with a topic that, you know, we think they'd be better off answering. We very commonly get questions around like losing your sex drive, right? When you after you have a child, it could take a little while to like want to do that again with your with your spouse. And we 
you know, we'll bring in relationship experts. We'll bring in even psychologists we've featured on on the advice platform to answer those questions and provide really the hard facts and truth about it. And the other part of Is This Normal is this community, storytelling. We learned that just by hearing a multitude of experiences that you actually just feel a little bit better about where you're at, but there really hasn't been a forum to provide these environments to share. Um, and so we've been really fortunate to have people from, you know, Ann Fullenweeder, who just stepped down as the editor-in-chief of Marie Claire, to, you know, Melanie Willen, who also just recently stepped down as, from SoulCycle, um, Minnie Grossman, all these amazing women that you look at and say, like, wow, you must have really figured it out. You figured out how to have this career trajectory that I hope to have or I'm in, in the process of having, and you built a family. We want to pull back the, that curtain and give you the real story behind that. And that really generates a lot of dialogue that Is This Normal has been able to foster. And this is all on a separate website? It is. It, it's on isthisnormal.co. It's connected to Little Spoon, but it's really both content, community. I mm. mean, it lives on this website. It lives on our Instagram. It lives – we have meetups happening across the country wow. around Is This Normal and topics. It's really exploded and taken on a life of its own. Well, congratulations. Thank That's you. really exciting. Thank you. It's been it's been probably one of the the things I'm most proud of in terms of what we've been doing at Little Spoon, which I think sets the bar high because I think our team has been doing an amazing job at everything. I'm biased, but <laughs> up next, why Lisa cares so much about the mission of Little Spoon, despite not yet being a parent. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for entrepreneurs to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Lisa, we have just gotten lost over the past half hour just diving deep into the Little Spoon product because I'm so fascinated and about to be your next customer. But I really want to hear more about your entrepreneurista journey because I'm sure the past few years have just felt like an absolute whirlwind growing yes. this business. Understatement of the century. <laughs> I actually can't even believe we've been doing this for, for this long. My journey, you know, there are a couple of different facets of it. I have always, you know, known that I wanted to build something. I grew up in a family. My dad, always a small business owner, was always, you know, not not in the same way that this whole startup world kind of exploded, but always watched him be very hands-on, really get get his hands dirty, build teams. And it was something that I was like, wow, that's really cool. But for me, there's no scenario where it's worth doing anything if you're not actually passionate about the problem that you're solving. And so over the years, you know, I just hadn't found the problem that I really cared about enough. There are many people who start who start companies because they know I want to be a founder. I want to be X, Y, and Z. I just 
that didn't call to me. And I actually don't think that's a very sustainable way mm-hmm. to approach entrepreneurship. I think it's great to know that you want to do that. But like journeys, career trajectories, they're very nonlinear. Um, you could take many different directions that contribute to where you ultimately end up. And so when I started diving into this parenting space, I mean, I had so many of my friends asking me, like, why why do you care so much? Like, you're, I'm still not a mom. Like, you're not a parent. I, I just don't understand. And for me, the journey into starting my first company, Little Spoon, came when I could not get out of my head how time and time again, it's just like, being a woman's amazing, but it's really hard. Yeah. And, you know, men and women alike enter this life stage of parenthood, but I think we can all agree that parenthood has a more all-inclusive, transformative effect on a on a woman. And I kind of was staring at my life and the things I wanted to accomplish in life, both I want to start a family, I wanted to continue building and solving problems in this world. And I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I don't know how you do that. It doesn't seem easy enough. It doesn't seem possible. And I wanted to figure out, like, is there a way to help make that a little bit easier, to help empower women to do whatever it is they want to do? A lot of our customers are what we call working working mothers. But what we mean by working mothers is maybe you go to a, a, a traditional job or maybe you just have other things that are occupying your day besides being a mother that really, really matter to you. And that's the quote-unquote working mother mm-hmm. that that we're really addressing here. How can we empower her to do all the things that she wants to do? And I couldn't get out of my head that, like, I have to figure that out before I enter this life stage. Call me anxious. But <laughs> I a just, planner. You're I, I'm a planner. <laughs> um, and so that – it was really that um, that realization, like, emotionally that I felt like I had – a unique ability to approach this problem in a way that I thought could really help solve it for myself, solve it for my friends, solve it for my sister. Just watching all these incredible women who who truly are, are struggling and were struggling through this transformation. Like what happens to my career? What happens to my relate my social relationships, my friends? Like how do I balance it all? Yeah. Um, and so that was a problem to me worth solving. And that made it all completely worth leaving my job in venture capital at the time, which, you know, can be have its own challenges, but doesn't compare to to the challenges of, of running a company. It was by all measures much easier, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that problem was worth solving. And that's been something that's that stuck with me is is when I'm speaking to other people who are thinking about starting companies, it's like, you better damn make sure you care about this problem because your idea is going to get blown up. It's not going to work probably hundreds of times over again. But if you really are committed to that mission and are persistent and are willing to hustle, it'll work. And I kind of live by that those values every day. What were some of the challenges like in the early days when you're first launching? And then now as if you've grown and scaled the business, how many employees do you have now? Um, so we're about 15 now. About 15 employees. So, <laughs> so, But still, I mean, you've gone from just the four of you. Now you have 15 people. You know, how have your roles and responsibilities of the co-founders, have those changed? And like, what new challenges are coming up? Yeah. I mean, I said kind of before 
I've been fortunate where me and my co-founders came from very different domains. So I think where we focused initially was really obvious because we all had strike zones. The roles haven't so much have changed as we've just learned like where our domains overlap and where we like need to be thoughtful about how we solve different problems in the business, taking our perspectives in mind, taking, you know, our domain expertise into account. I think the biggest challenge for for an entrepreneur for startups and, you know, people who start companies and who are successful at doing it are are generally pretty ambitious, Mm -hmm. right? You're persistent. And I think two things can result from that. One is that you can get a little hard-headed in believing like you know how to solve this problem, right? And a lot of that is true. You are spending like nearly 20 hours probably a day (laughs) thinking about this customer and this problem that you're trying to solve. So you do know a lot, but you don't know everything. And I noticed even when I was in venture and before that, one of the biggest weaknesses of founders was just like not recognizing that you do have a blind spot. Like even if you are your target customer, you're still not your customer. You're not, you're not a degree away from your, from your business and from your product. So you really need to force yourself to get out of your little brain and your sphere and, and, and stop like selling to yourself a little bit and make sure you talk to people. So that was one thing. The other thing I learned was that prioritizing is so important. Um, there is kind of a, a mantra that I live by, which is that startups almost never die of starvation. They die of indigestion, meaning there's so many things you could be doing, so many ideas. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Ideas are bullshit. Like, really. I, I, it doesn't matter. Everyone has the same idea somewhere in the world. It's about figuring out what order do you execute those on, which are the ones that are going to move the needle for your objectives at that time. And it's about figuring out where do you really focus and how do you make sure you're focused on the right things. It's so easy to get caught up in like competition, for example. It's a big reason, candidly, I didn't want to build this business in San Francisco and I wanted to build it in a city like New York because New York doesn't have just one major industry. San Francisco has a ton of startups and it's very easy to get distracted by what other people are doing. Really, if you just focus on your customer and the problem that you're solving, you'll figure it out. Um, And so I think really internalizing how do we get ourselves to not have indigestion, like how to not do too many things at once. How do you you have tips for prioritizing? A few. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Depends on on the issue. Um, No, I do have a few tips in all reality. One is like you got to depend on your team. I think successful entrepreneurs know what they're good at and more importantly, know what you're not good at, what you're bad at, and you hire around that. What are you not good at? <laughs> um, many things. I'm not good at so many things. I'm, you know, I, I think, quite honestly, I try to do too many things at once. I, I, and that's probably why I remind myself of this, this concept that I believe so deeply in when it comes to how do you make a successful startup. I think I'm terrible because I have an overly optimistic attitude. I think my team would, would tell you whether it's what we can accomplish in a week or can I make the meetings that I scheduled in a day. I tend to just think it's going to happen. It's going to, going to work itself out. I'm often wrong. And so really hiring people and teams and partners around me that are really good at like taking all of these ideas and, and synthesizing those out and, and helping. Okay. Once, once we've decided this is what we're focusing on, let's make sure we're taking those steps and check, giving ourselves checks and balances. I think that that was a really important, you know, hole to fill in my, in my background and career. I also think that, you know, one thing is checking in with each other. And that really helps. Again, 
you might have co-founders in your business and you're probably running at 100 miles per hour and you're talking all the time, but are you really giving yourself moments to step away from the business and extract out and say, like, what are the priorities? What are the things that we really need to be doing today and this week and this month and this quarter and whatever it is and kind of going head to head on that? I think that's been important. And we've been fortunate to have amazing investors, advisors, friends, uh, people around around us and around me who who I can kind of soundboard off of. I don't presume to know everything or anything. <laughs> it's it's actually I think a big strength to presume that you know very little. It's good to go in with a hypothesis and a stance, but being open to being wrong is really important in, in Is that something you learned as you yeah, yeah, I think it was something I learned because I am someone who can be sure of, you know, I I come to a conclusion. I do take into account the data, right? I mean, my background started out actually way more on like the quantitative side and like deep data analysis and strategy. And I moved into the creative and brand building side. So I do appreciate the data and take it into account. But I am, I, I do believe at the end of the day, your gut is important to consider and it, it tends to lead you in the right direction. But if you're going to like live that way and make decisions that way, you got to really be open to being challenged um, and being open to taking other people's perspectives in. And yeah, I think I've learned to really be disciplined about that. So that's been really important. Well, we talked a lot about listening to your customer and surprising our customers. So we actually have a surprise for you and it's right below your seat down below there. Oh, there's a bag and a box and Special entrepreneurista swag bag and gift as a thank you. Yeah, it everywhere. This so is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I should open it now. Yeah, sure. Oh All my right. gosh, you always got to open presents, Do right? I? Yeah. I feel like I'm more the person who's gonna like drop it all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, that's another learning, right? Um, bubble wrap boxes. You don't need to buy toys for kids. Yep. The whole shebang. That little spoon chips. You just give them a box. I have a really hilarious. Instagram of my niece a weekend ago. She came over my apartment. I like didn't have any toys for her, but I had a little spoon box and that occupied her, right? She was good. Oh my God, this is so beautiful. Well, because your company is all about feeding and nutrition. So a fresh, beautiful plate for you. (laughs) Yeah, this is a gorgeous plate that um, I hope I don't break on the way home. (laughs) I'm a very clumsy person. They, that's my weakness, actually, oh. to answer your question. You're clumsy. Well, it's Very a good thing clumsy. there's bubble wrap. You can wrap yourself in it, too. No? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you. My last question for you. I actually have so many more questions, but last question that we'll record now on the sure. podcast. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Being an entrepreneurista to me means really having the courage to challenge the status quo and also the courage to to just put yourself out there. Um, A quote that I try to live by is that Mark Twain said this, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. And I never want to be in a situation where I was wishing I tried something. Um, And I think being an entrepreneur kind of embodies that, that philosophy. Love that. Just go out and get it, make it happen. Just make, make, will, will yourself (laughs) into success. Like, your hustle, your you can do that. You can you cannot control almost anything else in a business, but you can control your hustle and your 
persistence. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here, sharing your journey and story. Lisa, where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy your products? Well, personally, I'm at at Lisa D. Barnett, my Instagram handle, Little Spoon, you could find at Little Spoon. You could also, of course, check out all of the amazing content in our community at isthisnormal.co and purchase any of our products on littlespoon.com. So follow us across all the different social channels. And for any of you that are interested in trying out our products, we're going to do a special, unique Entreprenista promotion. So just type in Entreprenista at checkout and you'll get 20% off your first three orders. Ooh, thank you. You're welcome. And I will be sharing that with everyone too across all my social channels. So thank you. And (laughs) thank thank you you again for being here. I'm Stephanie and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Thanks for listening. Founders are always asking us, what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven-figure businesses? Do you want to know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the wait list for when doors are open again, head over to entreprenista.com. That's entreprenista.com to get on the wait list.